Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anche Emmet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Shmot. Women make the world go round, then and now. It strikes me that you and I have lived through the greatest change in the role of women in society in recorded history. I think there's no question about that. Uh, it's one of the great events of the 20th century, and I don't think there's ever been so dramatic, so quick a change in something so dynamic as that. You think about the fact that this is the 100th year for women's suffrage in America, the ability to vote, and and here we are in the rapidity of change. I think it's just stunning since the early 60s. Yeah, and if I can put in a plug for one of my books, it's the 60th anniversary of the approval of the birth control pill. And I think nothing moved the ball more than that. When women gained the ability to control their own bodies, to control their own reproductive systems, to decide when and if they wanted to have children, the entire dynamic changed the relationships between men and women, the definition of marriage, the workplace, so much began to change once women acquired that fundamental right. It is remarkable. And when you think about it, we often then look with somewhat of a jaded eye at women's roles in the past, as if to say that women had no role in the larger society, that women were shuttered in the houses and uh, chained to the stove. But that's not the case either. Women did have roles. They did play significant roles in the larger society, but it was in a different way. I'm not suggesting it was in a better way, but what I am suggesting is that women were still a force to contend with, even in ancient times. Yeah, and I would just interject that it was the men writing the stories, writing the histories, and oftentimes leaving out or minimizing the role of the women so that we don't even know, and we sometimes have to try to patch together what the actual role and importance of these women were. Well, that's interesting because the Torah is at least traditionally understood as being written by God, and maybe that's why the role of women is so consequential, because it wasn't written by men in the classical sense. And this week's portion is a great example. We know the the basic story of the opening of the book of Exodus and how the people that came down into Egypt with Joseph and Joseph's brothers developed into a remarkable nation. And the Torah uses the term pru or vu, that they were fruitful, they multiplied. So this was exactly God's hand in the story as it was in the book of Ex in the book of Genesis. We also know that the Jewish people struck fear into the heart of Pharaoh, and we have all of the classic anti-Semitic tropes that plague the Jewish people throughout history being spoken in this Parsha as well, in this portion. And we also see the rise of Moses as the savior of the Jewish people, the one who will redeem, the one who will be called by God. All of this is really very much a part of the opening chapters of the book of Exodus, and also Moses's own moral sense when he strikes down the Egyptian taskmaster. So you might read the story as a story about Moses and Moses alone, but the Torah doesn't allow for that. There are a set of women who make it possible not only for him to live, but also to become the person that he became. So you begin with Yocheved, his mother, who uh, ignores the order of Pharaoh to not have children. And by the way, the rabbis talk a great deal 
about how the men, when they received this order that all firstborn male sons would be killed, they lost all hope. They were so despondent that they wouldn't engage with their wives and didn't want to have children. But it was the wives, according to the Midrash, according to the to, to legend, that enticed their husbands to have children. And and Yocheved, Moses' mother, was no different. And so she has this child. She's raising this child when she can no longer keep him because people will find out and then the Egyptians will come. She puts him in a basket. And Miriam, his sister, runs along the basket, watches it. And when it is found by Pharaoh's daughter herself, she risks her life. I know somebody who could be a wet nurse who could suckle this child for you. And here you have... Moses' entire existence was made possible by the bravery of women. You have Shifra and Pua, these two Egyptian maidservants, who risked their lives to ignore Pharaoh's order to kill the Israelite firstborn. And so again, you have women who are not in the background. They are really pretty much on the foreground of the story, making everything possible. Yeah, and yet we don't know their names as well as we know the, the names of Moses and, and the other male protagonists in these stories. And, and that's um, a serious problem, I think, when it comes to telling these stories and to understanding the role of women throughout history. Um, you know, it gets back to what I said earlier. It's generally been the men telling these stories and deciding how to tell them. And that's still an issue today, you know, when you hear about men directing all of the movies in Hollywood and, you know, men controlling much of the publishing industry. I'm sorry for harping on the uh, on the, the media side of this story, but uh, I, I think it's important that we begin to, to think about these things differently. I think you're very correct. I was thinking as you were talking how these stories get shaped and reshaped by men. The Midrash can be very hard on women. The Talmud reflects some very regressive views of women, very negative views. Not totally. There's always a mix of them, but you see it in there in ways that are going to keep women back. In the Talmudic era, you have someone like Bruria, who is the wife of Rabbi Meir, who is this great Torah scholar. And the Talmud delights in showing how she bests the men who come to challenge her. But the reality is, is that she is unique and we don't really hear women's voices. And so there is this internal struggle based largely on the social mores of a particular times that also shade Jewish law and Jewish practice. Now, we can argue that Judaism has long honored women and many of the deficiencies that we see in other cultures, treatment of women are largely absent in Jewish life, but they're not totally absent. It took national world movements and larger ideals to kind of catapult women forward. I'm fascinated by the role of women, for instance, in the state of Israel, which still has challenges. But if you see how women have been involved in the state from the earliest times and a largely egalitarian system, it's remarkable. And I would suggest that happened in par large part because of the Bible and Judaism's honoring of women, but also this idea that women can matter in society and function alongside men.
Yeah, you know, and I always say when it comes to biography, the history books, and I, I suppose this is probably true for the Torah, I'm curious to see what you say, that these stories exist in a sort of a time warp. They exist in two times at once. They exist in the time that you are telling about and the time in which you are telling the story. So that we are seeing the ancient world or we're seeing the world of yesterday. If we're writing about something that happened even last year, we're seeing it through this year's eyes and through this year's lens. And that means that we can tell the stories differently the second time around and we can focus our stories on the women's role and rethink, even if we didn't get to hear from the women as much as we should have in their time, we can rethink their roles and tell those stories anew with different meanings. And, and that's um, a really important reason for why we tell these stories again and again. I think it's a very important point because we have a tendency to project our own social mores and thinking stories that took place thousands of years ago. Why would we hold this up as a positive when women are being subjugated? In our time, yeah, the treatment of women in Moses's time would be a negative. But we see it as a positive. If you have, if you know anything about the history of the time, you would know that Jewish women were treated light years better than other women in the other societies. They had much more of a role. And I think the question is not why were they not more like us, but how do we measure our treatment of women in our society? Are we that much, are we as far ahead today in the Jewish world compared to what was happening around them as Moses and Miriam were in their time? That's the question. How, what are we, how are, how are we going forward? Right. And it's useful to think about how um, future generations will judge us and view our um, performance, not just on when it comes to treating women, but um, in, in all of these ethical issues that we struggle with. Um, how will we be viewed for the way we treated animals, the way we, we approached the handling of death, right? All of these moral issues. You know, someday people are going to look back at us and say we were primitive. How will history treat the United States of America since it took to 2020? to have the first female vice president. It's remarkable that this country, which likes to think of itself on the cutting edge of all ethical, moral issues, really is quite regressive in the political world. I've been seeing people very often lately saying, history will not be kind to so-and-so, right? Or history will judge you as being narrow-minded, right? Um, but one of the things I've learned from writing history books is that you have no idea how history is going to judge you, right? We don't know what the world is going to look like. We can't even begin to imagine what the world is going to look like. And all of the areas that we think we're being progressive or we think we're doing the right thing, you just don't know. So then how do you behave? How do you guide your your life and set your values when truth is you don't know how history is going to judge you. What we can say is not to judge in the future, but how do we judge ourselves today? What what are the ideas that are moving us forward? What's our basis in our thinking? And I think they're hard questions. That's why haven't women been able to attain the role of vice president or president until now? What's holding this country back? Why is that? Why was Hillary Clinton judged so much more harshly than a man in that position? Right? Those are, those are real questions. Look, each candidate deserves praise for what they do right, and they also deserve criticism for what they do wrong. 
But I think that we can also look and see that the harshness and the level of acrimony that was leveled against Hillary Clinton was unusual for almost any candidate that I can think of. Yeah, and what we see um, throughout history really is a fear of change, a fear of the other. And in some cultures and some communities, worse than others, obviously. But I wonder what Moses has to teach us about that, right? Because how much did that fear of change hold the Israelites back when the time came to be bold and to think differently? I think there are different ideas at work here. There's two different fears. There's one fear of change of not knowing what the unknown looks like. And that was the fear that the Israelites were facing. And you know, to embrace the known over the unknown. There's another type of fear that revolves around being displaced. And I think a large part of the reason that women were held back in American politics was because there was a fear by men that they were going to be displaced by women, and that wasn't going to happen, and they were going to do everything to prevent that. So I think there are different fears at work. One is the fear of the unknown, and the other fear is the known. Yeah, it's the tendency to cling to power, to, um, and, and that's part of the unknown, right? Like sharing power, uh, sharing responsibility is frightening, so you, um, you stick to what you know. Yeah, especially if it works for you. <laughs> right. Well, the nice thing for us today is that we can look back at Shifrim Pua, at Miriam and Yochevet, and we can celebrate the role that women have played in Jewish history. And look today and see a whole variety of Jewish women who are playing roles. One of the things I take great pride in is that how many women rabbis are playing a role in the larger world we have and look forward with a lot of hope. But one thing I know for sure is that history will judge our podcast well. What do you think, Jonathan? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Good to talk to you. All right. <laughs>